0: hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the pigskin pulpit i'm your host the sideline statsman and even though by the time you listen to this It'll probably be the Thursday night game. We'll probably just start in week 5. It doesn't matter. Still gotta go over what happened in week 4 as we hit the quarter mark of the season. So, let's look at the biggest topics here. I'm gonna talk about Jameis Winston. Yeah, I never thought I'd be doing that, but I am. I'm gonna talk about Jameis Winston. Did he finally turn the corner? Vontae's perfect suspension for the hit he laid out on Jack Doyle. Was it right? We're also going to take a look back at my awards predictions I had made and update them to see where I stand, where I believe players stand right now. So, do I believe this player belongs to be there, here, what my prediction was, and who it is should be right now. So, that is more or less what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a little bit of a connection thing, do a comparison. And then, as usual, the debate topic of the week and my winners and losers for the week. Remember... One team for each, and one player for each. As for the debate topic of the week, from last week's responses, unfortunately, I only got one response. So, I'll relay it real quick before I go any further. SR Criscola stated that he believes the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC. Bold take after the loss they took to Tampa. But again, we're talking about an improved Tampa team. So, maybe there's something up. Maybe the Rams are the team to beat. But there's still the Saints to deal with, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Packers, the Bears. I could go on and on. There's plenty of teams, even the Niners and the Seahawks. I mean, it's really anybody's game for the NFC. Any one of them could be a contender. So we got to keep that in mind. So now that we got that out of the way, let's get started. Starting with Jameis Winston here, I want to talk about what's going on with Tampa. It seems like, and I know this is going to sound weird for me to say, but I feel like the team's bipolar. I'll put it this way. Their offense has not looked good until week three, when they had a decent showing against the Giants that put up 30-something points, but they missed a lot of kicks. Then they go into L.A., and there's, they're saying there's no way they're going to beat the Rams. It's unprecedented. And what do they do? They go in. And they smack him around 55-40 to to set a franchise record for points. It's unbelievable. And through all of this, Winston has been the shining star. He's currently sitting at 5th in the league in passing yards. And through the last three games, he's thrown 7 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. He's been amazing in every shape and form. The question is, can we buy into it? Did he really turn the corner after his bad showing week 1? There's no way to know. you got to think about it. There are so many quarterbacks who are who have been so bad and just had one really good year. But could this be that really good year that pushes Arians and the Bucs into the playoffs? For the first time since 2007? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But the question is, can we buy into him? Well, the only way we're going to find out is through the New Orleans Saints. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the New Orleans Saints this week and they're going to, I believe they're going to be in the, in the Louisiana Superdome. It's going to be hard to watch because I think that might actually end up being game of the week. You have one offense that lacks their Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, and you got another team that has a struggling quarterback that happens to be on a hot streak in Jameis Winston. Both teams have big vertical threats. Both of them are now, one side has a very good run game. The other one has a slowly growing, better running game with Ronald Jones and, you know, Peyton Barber versus Alvin Kamara. You look at the defenses. Saints defense is looking great. And so is Bucks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the number one rush defense in the league and are ranked six overall because their passing defense really is a lot better than what it's been, but it's still like middle of the league, maybe. Above average. Still, the battle, it's basically an even battle here. We don't know how it's going to turn out. It's going to come down to probably the last few. That's probably what it's going to be. I can't guarantee that this is going to be an easy match at all. I can't guarantee this is going to be the hardest match. But I can say this is going to be an entertaining game. It's going to be fun to watch because we don't know what will happen. We don't know if we're going to see a blowout by Tampa again. Or if we're going to see the Saints toughen up and make this a hard one. And make this difficult for Bruce Arians in that offense. It's it's all questionable. And to know where Winston stands, he's had three great games in a row. But as I've always been taught, never base someone's future and their success off of one game. You have to see them run for more than that. So in my opinion, if they beat the Saints... And Winston throws for over 300 yards, gets like three or four touchdowns, and throws no interceptions, I think I'm going to buy into it. But right now, still a little questionable. I'm on the fence. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, look, Winston has had so many problems. It's hard. It's hard for people to jump onto a wagon to join the belief that this kid can do it. Because trust me, I believe in anyone. I really believe in him to do well ever since he was first drafted. I thought he'd be a star. But I haven't seen anything that really showed it or proved it until these last three games. He's been lights out. He's thrown two interceptions. One to the Giants and one to the Rams. I mean, honestly, I've got nothing else to say. This is Winston's chance. And if he blows it, it's on him. Right now he's making a name for himself again. He's emerging himself as one of the top QBs this year. Can't can't say the injuries aren't helping him, but I'm I'm out go there. So, with that being said, next topic here for a top story of the week, Von Tee's perfect. Wow. Wow. A full year suspension. He's suspended for the whole season because Of a hit on Jack Doyle. If you run over the hit and watch it over and over again, I'm getting flashbacks of the old days of football. I'm getting the flashbacks of days of Steamrolled Charlie, you know, Chuck Bednarik. You know that name. That man was a force to be reckoned with. If you even crossed his path, you better prayed he didn't knock your head off. I'm thinking of the days where you had Mean Joe Green on the line. I'm thinking of the days where you had Terror, terror on the, the Chicago Bears line, that 85 Bears team. I'm thinking of the days of Ronnie Lott. I'm going all over the place. I'm going LT, Lawrence, Taylor. And even then, nowadays, a hit on the head gets you suspended a whole year. See, I understand this explanation. I heard what it was. He's done it multiple times. He's been warned not to. He's always been a dirty player, quote-unquote. But to get to the point where you're going to give him a full season suspension, people say he shouldn't be in the league altogether. Me? Honestly, let the player play. Look, this is going to be a lot very controversial, I'm going to say, and I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for it. And honestly, I could care less if I take heat. Because at the end of the day, I stick to what I believe here. You guys can debate me all you want on this. But I'm saying this without a doubt. Vontae Perfect is not a dirty player. He's just playing old school football. I want you to sit here and tell me that old school football wasn't played like that. That they didn't try to hurt these guys. That the game wasn't about stopping the opponent no matter what it took. I want you to sit here and tell me that was not the case. When they had leather helmets... Not even the one stuff they wear now. The stuff they wear now... Is protecting them. Okay. I'll rephrase that. Not protecting them. To the extent of it's preventing it. It's just... Better equipment to wear that's more... Protective and cushioning... For the head... To experience less trauma on impact than if it was just a leather helmet or no helmets at all. Do you get what I'm saying? Old school football, when you had that stuff, they didn't care. They still took you down. What happened to the days of Jack Youngblood? I mean, the man broke his arm and leg in the middle of a game and still played. What about the players who had fingers amputated to keep playing? Jason Pierre-Paul blew his fingers off. Usually at that point, you're like, oh, my career's over. I'm going to give up. I shouldn't do it anymore. I don't think I'm going to be the same. No. He went right back in. See, I know I might be getting off a little, a little off track here when it comes to that. But again, a helmet-to-helmet hit is just old-school football. I don't want people... I want to stop this sport from falling apart. Think about it this way. Look how many people love the WWE. Sure, it's all staged, but these guys actually do get hurt. They do get into serious trouble. Rugby, a very popular sport, by the way, outside of the United States. Very popular. It's, one of the, it's arguably the most dangerous sport I have ever watched. Because the plays just don't end. And they don't really wear protective equipment. And they wear a little padding or something... Not really something too heavy that'll limit their speed. But, nonetheless, they're aggressive. People will play with with broken bones and pulled muscles, everything. I want you to name me a player now who gets hurt and goes back in and keeps playing because that's how much he loves the game. He's not going to let somebody stop him. You can't name one, can you? And I know what you're going to argue. You're going to argue with the recent players. You're going to argue with the guy who was on the Raiders. This, the rookie safety, Jonathan Abram, who went down with an injury and kept playing anyway and he won the game for the Raiders and then got told he can't play the rest of the year. You're probably going to mention Bradley Chubb who partially tore his ACL and went back in the game, wrapped up with his leg and kept playing. That's probably what you're going to tell me. But that's not the case. Ain't no way is that the case. That don't count. That just shows grit and toughness. And I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is watching people complain about when these helmet-to-helmet collisions happen. Look, it just comes with the game. That's how it works. People don't understand that. When you play this game, you're risking your life here. You're risking your future. For a paycheck and to do something you love. I understand that you want to protect your players. And I understand the business people who argue this. But at the end of the day... The more you change the game... The more fans you're going to lose. Are you willing to lose this league... And lose the future of American football... Because you need to heighten player safety rules. Is that worth it? What does that accomplish? Sure, the players are safe now. But what happens? I'm watching QB hits happen. I'm watching QBs get taken down in the pocket. Okay? In the pocket. And again, called for roughing the passers for landing on the guy too hard. Are you serious? And I guarantee you it's because of all the broken collarbones and the rib breakage... All of that stuff, all those injuries that have happened—I guarantee you—that's the reason why. Because it can end, the, it can hurt the quarterback. Because it's going to break something. Do you understand that? That is football. It's a tackle. You're taking him down. Again, stop when it's defense. Stop the player, no matter what it takes. When you're looking at the offense. Okay, get the ball to the end zone no matter what it takes. That is the point of football. That is the basic fundamental. By adding these rules in, you're ruining the purpose of the game, you're ruining the fundamentals, the foundation of football. You need to figure this out. Now, I do agree, Burfick did deserve the suspension. But I didn't like the reasoning of him being a dirty player because he's not. He just plays football. He just plays football the way he wants to. I there should not be intentionally unless you intentionally hurt a guy and you have the intention to say I want to get him out of the game, I want to kill him. There should be no reason for him to be called a dirty player. You want a dirty player? That's Romanowski. That is a dirty player. But Vontae's perfect. I understand he's had repetitive suspensions for helmet injuries, okay? So maybe that argument can be made because he's done it so many times. But sometimes that's just you blacking out and you're just making the play. That's it. So right here, I'm split right down the middle. I agree with the suspension, but I don't like the reasoning. I'm just going to leave it at that. You heard my piece about how the NFL what's happening with the NFL. You heard my piece. Done. Finished. Now we can move into a review of the quarter of the season so far. Which would be the award predictions. You see, I have made some bold predictions in the past, especially with this. This was something I was very proud of. I'm proud of going over the NFL awards because it's always surprising because you never know what's going to happen. You're just taking a guess based off what you saw in the offseason. You don't really have any factual basis. So this is just like a shoot in the dark. So I took my shots. So I'm going to work backwards. Comeback player of the year. I was saying it's going to be somebody like Earl Thomas coming back and having one hell of a year. Instead... I'm shell-shocked, because my select my selection right now, excuse me, is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup wide receiver for the LA Rams. One of the top receivers in the league this year, behind only Keenan Allen. Keenan Al. That's really it. All these other receivers are great. Don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham's a great receiver. Julio Jones, great receiver. Hopkins, great receiver. You can go down the list of amazing ones, <clears throat> but nothing is going to match up to what is going on this season. People forget that. You always talk about how great these superstars are. Great, because they're superstars. They always are game changers. But you also forget, in one season, somebody can have a breakout year. And Cooper Cup came back, and the Rams offense works. If Cooper Cup would have been healthy last year, the Rams would have won the Super Bowl. I'm saying it now. Cooper Cup would have been healthy, they would have won the Super Bowl. But that's just me. So far, he's already top three in the league in receiving yards, and he's proven to people that he is the top receiver on the Rams team and one of the top receivers in the NFC. He's a challenger, and he's a fighter, and I like it. This kid deserves that Comeback Player of the Year award, and he should be getting it. Next one, Coach of the Year. Now, I said Freddie Kitchens originally. For the Cleveland Browns thinking they were going to be on fire early. and They were going to get all the way to 13-3. and three. I was so confident in the fact that, that that didn't look to the bigger picture of the offensive line. And I regret that. So, without further ado, I'll make the correct pick as of through these first four weeks. And I'm going to go with Kyle Shanahan, coach of the 49ers. Now, this is where people didn't think about this. But Kyle Shanahan has to be considered. Because he's had to deal for the last two seasons, outside of Atlanta, with building this team up from the ground up, rebuilding, without having Ale- without having a core quarterback there, you had to make a trade to get Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots, who nobody thought was going to emerge as a possible starter in this league. But no, he comes in and he's already proven that he can be a superstar in this league as long as he stays healthy. And so far, the Niners' track record right now has been impressive. Before this season, these guys had like five, six wins to their names under Shanahan. Now, they already have th- they're three and oh through the first four weeks, because they had a bye week during week four. But it's just impressive in itself how big the Niners have turned around their game. The defense looks phenomenal. I'm watching the offense click with Matt Breda. Even though they don't have even though they don't have Jarek McKinnon, they're still successful and they find ways to win. Dante Pettis with Debo Samuel and George Kittle offering as weapons for Garoppolo to use is insane. The defense landing Richard Sherman and Quan Alexander to work with rookies Nick Bosa on that defensive line and in the defense overall as leaders is impressive. And all of this recruiting and all these people they signed are at the hands of Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan built this team that you're watching on a tear right now. And there's no other person you can think of that could have done what he's done. He deserves Coach of the Year. Through these four weeks of what I've seen, he should be Coach of the Year. As it stands. Absolutely amazing. Let's get into the Rookie Awards now. Defensive Rookie of the Year. I've only seen two really just two rookie defenders doing well and that's Brian Burns from Carolina and Nick Bosa from San Francisco and they've both been playing very well almost even so as much as anyone want to believe it at first cuz Pro Football Focus didn't elect Brian Burns as their rookie defensive player of the month i'm going to go at nick bosa I think Nick Bosa's doing, ever since week one, where he had a little bit of a slow start, he's been phenomenal. Creates a lot of pressure for the Niners' front. And that's exactly what they needed, that they lacked last year. With Solomon Thomas in the lineup, they struggled. So now, adding Nick Bosa changed the entire dimension of the Niners' team. I overlooked them. And especially because of that defense, I overlooked them. But now, they're successful. And I like it a lot. So just off that alone, I easily can say that Nick Bosa should be defensive player defensive rookie of the year. For sure. But it could change at any point. Brian if Brian Burns keeps having the production he's having, I have to make him the defensive rookie of the year. Right now I'm still sticking to Bosa. As for offensive rookie of the year, there are a few choices you could go with here. A few players have done really well. David Montgomery from the Bears. You can go Daniel Jones, the Giants. I mean, you can even go Kyler Murray from the Cardinals. You know, the favorite from earlier on. There's a lot of options you have to do. A.J. Brown, Titans, Marquise Brown, on the Ravens. I mean, there's, there's plenty of routes you can go here. But you know what? Give me Big Blue. Give me... Daniel Jones. I'm saying it now. I do believe that Daniel Jones is the guy. I didn't believe it at first. But watch these two games. He's done well. Last game, eh, very shaky. But he had a good game. Still got the win. Granted, it was the Redskins. But he got the win. That's all that matters. He got the win. Daniel Jones is showing things I hadn't seen, really. From Eli. You know, because he can actually run the ball. But I'm impressed. He's done well picking up this team. 0-2 start. They're now sitting at 2-2 under him. They are 2-0 under Daniel Jones. And they're 2-2 in record right now. They're still in the race in the NFC's. They're still alive. They're only one game behind the Cowboys. They can catch up at any point. And that's all thanks to Daniel Jones. And when Saquon Barkley comes back, watch out the Giants offense is going to go ape. They're going to go insane. I mean, just it's just stunning. The defense still needs a lot of improvement, but right now, hopefully that offense carries them because they are just a great team altogether. Which now leads me to the Player of the Year awards. Not MVP yet, but Player of the Year's. Defensive player of the year. This was a tough one for me. To decide. Because my typical pick for DPOI is usually obvious. You know. With um. What's that guy's name on the Bears? Oh yeah that's right. Khalil Mack. Typically that's who I'd go with. I think he's been in, he's incredible in every way shape and form. He's one of the best linebackers of this generation. But. Unfortunately, I can't name a player who has done more on defense in these first four games than Shaquille Barrett. There's no arguing it. Shaq Barrett from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been outstanding. Why did the Broncos ever let him go? They're kicking themselves. The kid comes out in four games, he's got nine sacks. He's just... Something else. He's otherworldly. That's a better way to put it. What is it? He had... If I'm correct, he had three sacks against the Panthers. He had three or four against the Giants. He had one against the Rams. And I think he had one against the Niners. So think about that. One against the Niners. Three against Panthers. You get four against Big blue And you get one off the Rams. And you're gonna sit here and tell me that this guy shouldn't be on that list? He's in good company right now. If he keeps up at the pace he's at with the four, with the nine sacks in four games, let's say he keeps getting nine every four games, he's gonna have 36 sacks at the end of the season. And that is pretty close, I think, or it is the record for the most in a season. And if he pulls that off, (laughs) you bet you better give him that award. He also has an interception in like, Two or three forced fumbles. It's insane. He's impressive. Obviously the biggest steal from free agency this past year. And the best part is this kid was an undrafted free agent. So, he's not even a drafted player. I mean, come on. Really? I mean, Belichick should have jumped on that as soon as he could, but Belichick makes mistakes. Instead, Tampa got him, and look at that defense. Just roaring right now. They're really showing their colors. Shaq Barrett, easy call. Defensive player of the year. As for offensive player of the year, this is a tough one because a lot of good players. Patrick Mahomes you can go with. I can go with Christian McCaffrey. I can go with Alvin Kamara. I can go with Dalvin Cook. I can go with Keenan Allen. I can go anywhere I want with this. Really. Essentially, I could go anywhere with this. But I'm going to keep it simple. And I'm going to go with the dark horse candidate, Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. Currently, he leads the league in rushing yards. He does. He's been incredible. No doubt about it. Leads the league in all scrimmage and scrimmage yardage. All basically all around yards. It's hard to sit there and think that this guy is dominating the league the way he is. I mean, coming into the draft class, when he got drafted, did anyone else think he was gonna be the top running back in the draft? Did anybody think that? I don't, I don't know. Because I think he came in the same draft class as Kamara, too. That's the best part. I couldn't tell you. McCaffrey was phenomenal in college. The old question mark is best with every college player is, can he translate to the NFL? Not only has McCaffrey translated it, but he has God dang blown it out of the water. He has made a name for himself. And he has proved time and time again that he is the top guy on the team. He is the best player on the Panthers. Debatable, yes, because of Luke Keekley That doesn't mean that Christian McCaffrey ain't the best player on the team. Well, at least on offense. How about that? Because we know for sure it ain't Cam Newton. So yeah, Christian McCaffrey definitely offensive player of the year. I can't name a player who's been more explosive than him. Because besides that game against Tampa, he's been tearing up teams. And for MVP. I wanted to go around. I wanted to be different. I wanted to go grab somebody else. But unfortunately, I couldn't do it. And maybe that's a good thing. Because Patrick Mahomes is my MVP. Back to back. Why do I have a back to back? I think Patrick Mahomes so far has been nothing but perfect in the passing game. Sure, he's thrown, like, I think, one interception. One or two. But at the end of the day, he's still producing at a high level. Makes a a mistake, okay. He learns something, he goes on the field, he throws four more touchdowns. To blow you out. I mean, come on. Name another quarterback that does that. Name one. I can't. Aaron Rodgers can't do that. Drew Brees can't do that. Matt Ryan can't do that. Tom Brady might be able to do that. But I don't know. We don't know. Big Ben can never do that. Andrew Luck could not do that. Deshaun Watson can't do that. I could go on and on forever with this. There's no quarterback who could do what Patrick Mahomes does. The, the incredible strength and accuracy he has on balls downfield and on play action, too. Don't forget play action. His speed is incredible his recognition to to find the lanes also on option routes or or when he improvises and gets to get the first down that's inc- that's pretty nice too can't forget that patrick mahomes is far ahead of other guys and he's on pace for about well besides the game against the lions which kind of slowed him down he's on pace to go over 5000 yards passing this year yes 5000 this year alone no, you're not dreaming. This year. I mean, come on. Is there anything else I could say here, really? Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Four 0 team right now. She's got nobody stopping them at the moment. Closest was the Lions cuz they've been very good surprisingly. But nonetheless, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. There's no arguing anyone else. It's not worth it. So that means all the awards have been wrapped up. I've done all of them. So just to recap. MVP is Patrick Mahomes. Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey. Defensive Player of the Year, Shaquille Barrett. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Daniel Jones. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Nick Bosa. Coach of the Year, Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers. And Comeback Player of the Year, Cooper Cup. Now, this leads us to our acclaimed debate topic of the week. As I always say, please make sure to comment on the debate topic posts so I can read your comments off in the next episode. Remember, the best ones get featured. So last week we asked, what were the best teams in each conference? Who were the teams to be? I got a couple comments about the Rams, and I got one saying about the Patriots as obvious. But that's really it. I didn't really see much. Hopefully more people comment this week. We'll see. But again, you comment, you'll be posted next week. In addition to that, this week's debate topic is a pretty interesting one and a fun one. So, this one has to do with the drama setting in in Minnesota. Yeah, in Minnesota. I know, it's weird. The Minnesota Vikings have drama. What? That's new. So, Kirk Cousins, as we all know, is inconsistent and has a lot of problems with the team. It prompted a comment from Adam Thielen after the game stating that we really can't win if Kirk Cousins can't really throw the ball. Basically, we can't win if our quarterback can't hit the deep ball. So that was a throw and a sub over at Kirk Cousins. Cousins apologizes and then moves on. But can we really move on? Is that enough? Let's think about this a second. You've been struggling with your team for so long and you have the audacity to apologize and say, I'll make it better. I mentioned on Twitter that it's one thing to say that and apologize, but it's another thing to keep your word by what you mean. So, with that being said, the debate topic this week is... Is Kirk Cousins' apology accepted? Do we accept Kirk Cousins' apology? In my opinion, I do not. I don't accept his opinion, because looking into it, you've got to think about all the factors that set into that, okay? Because you're hurting not only yourself and the team, but you're hurting the fan base. When you hurt the fan base, that's when things get real. So, more accurately, here's the real debate topic, okay? Because I was just pulling your leg. Will the Vikings be able to turn things around with Kirk Cousins as the QB? Now, given all the drama we've seen, think about it very carefully before you answer. And I'll give you mine in five, four, three, two, one. No, he won't. He won't be the guy that turning around. There's no way. I don't think Kirk Cousins has the capacity to turn it around. His ability to throw the ball downfield is horrible. I mean, if he had an ability, I'd be pretty shocked. The only ability he has is to miss throws on deep, mid, to deep routes. That's all he can do. He'll hit the short ones. Barely, but he'll hit the short ones. That's why nobody picks him in fantasy. Look, Case Keenan was a good quarterback because he came in, he did the job right, and he knew how to work with his guys. I mean, Stephon Diggs is looking to get out. I know he didn't confirm it today. We all know that, but you watched the press conference. Come on now. You already know. Stephon Diggs wants out, he wants to be traded, he wants to be gone. He said there's, there's some truth to these rumors. And I'm saying, okay, so he does want out. And I don't blame him. If you're being underutilized, why stay? The only reason I can think of him staying is if they get rid of him. They get rid of Kirk Cousins. Cousins is not solving the problem. People were excited first thinking, oh my god, the Vikings are going to have a shot now. Nope. He went from being... Playoff favorites to the worst in your division, and that says a lot because the Lions are undefeated, or were undefeated. They have a better record than you. Kirk Cousins has improved anything when he was in Washington and when he's in Minnesota. So, honestly, if I'm the Vikings, I am re- I'm writing out the rest of this year. And I'm drafting a quarterback next year. I'm preparing to make that decision. And when you make that decision, you better believe you better get somebody like Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts. I mean, come on. The talent this year is unbelievable. If Tua calls in, I mean, where does it end? Sam Ellinger would technically count this year. I don't know what to say, guys. Jacob Eason It's another one. Come on. You gotta be kidding me. Honestly, wait it out. See how the season goes. If you still don't make the playoffs, let Kirk Cousins go, end the contract early, draft a quarterback to take his spot. Or better yet, draft a quarterback, keep Cousins on the roster, make them fight it out. If he beats Cousins, drop Cousins to the backup role, make him take a pay cut in his contract, and if he denies it, you let him go. That's even better. Either way, Kirk Cousins is not the answer. And we've all been saying this for a long time. I guarantee you everybody's thought about it. But who knows? Maybe somebody thinks differently. So again, debate topic of the week. Will the Vikings succeed... As long as Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Now I'm going to be posting this on my Instagram and my Twitter. Twitter at tstatsman. And on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Make sure to comment and I will post the best ones up here next week. On the next episode. Which now leads us to the final segment. Another great segment. The winners and losers of the week. One team winner, one team loser, and one player winner, and one player slash coach loser. So, where do we start this week? Do we go winner this week and end on a bad note, or do we go loser this week and end on a good note? I think we should end on a good note this week, so I'll start with the losers. For losing team, I was going to say the Vikings, after the beating they took against the Bears, that offense couldn't do anything. But somebody got hurt and out for the rest of the season. So I'm obviously going to have to pick them. And that's going to be the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are the loser this week for teams. Now, some of you may be shocked. Some of you may not may be blown away. But why are they my loser this week? Okay, you guys are sitting at the bottom of your division. First of all, okay, that's the first thing we got to get out of the way. Second, Joe Flacco's not having a bad year. He's having a decent year. Why they're my losing team has to do with two things. One, John Elway clearly doesn't know how to run a team. The only reason he got that Super Bowl in Super Bowl 50 was Peyton Manning. That's it. That's it. And the lucky turnout of Brock Osweiler. So, on that note, would you not be mad when you hear rumors that Emmanuel Sanders is being shopped? Would you not be angry and frustrated? I, for one, am frustrated for those fans. I am. I personally think that the Broncos are making a massive mistake. Considering getting rid of Emmanuel Sanders is like considering is when the Saints consider, oh, we might trade Kamara. You're going to trade your best player on the damn team. I mean, don't get me wrong. You still got Philip Lindsay, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, which, by the way, is another point. But you're trading one of your best players, your playmaker guy on offense. But okay. Because Elway won two Super Bowls, I've got nothing to say. I can't say anything. Sure. But you better believe that I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to speak my mind freely here. John Elway is the reason why this organization only has one Super Bowl in the amazing career of Von Miller. If it wasn't for the Broncos drafting Von Miller, you could have put him anywhere else in other competing teams and I guarantee you he'd have more than one. You could have put him with the Steelers back when they got Antonio Brown. You could go all the way back there if they would have taken him. I guarantee you the Steelers would have another Super Bowl. If you gave him to the Patriots, they'd have one more Super Bowl. At least. I guarantee you. You give him to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers would have another Super Bowl. I guarantee. If you were to give him to the Saints. They'd have two Super Bowls. You gave him to the Seahawks defense. Back in 2013-2014. I guarantee you. The Seahawks would have two Super Bowls. At least. Total. But no, the Broncos took him. And when the Broncos took him, you know what that meant. We're going to keep him for the long haul. He's our franchise guy. First And also, congratulations to Von Miller for passing 100 sacks. Amazing, amazing accomplishment. But let's not forget the big point here. You've let this man's career go to waste, basically. Just being your franchise leader and top guy. Your top dog. And what have you done in return? Pulled him one Bowl and a few playoff appearances? Oh, I guess that justifies it. It didn't justify it. It don't. And Emmanuel Sanders is no exception. You do not let a talent like him get away. He has so much potential. Still. And you're going to consider trading him. Consider it even. I can't handle this. See, this is why the Broncos are the worst... One of the worst teams in the AFC. Not for the talent they have, but for the organization itself. Oh, and on top of that, Bradley Chubb tore his ACL. So now their year is all screwed up. Because now they lost their top guy on defense outside of Von Miller. So yeah... I think I have a right to call him the loser and to be angry about it. For Bronco fans. I'm not a Bronco fan. But I am angry and I feel bad for you because you guys are suffering the most through all of this, of what Elway has put you through since he became the GM or ran the operations over there. I am so sorry for you guys. And I hope things get better soon. Going to the team winner now. <laughs> Gotta to change tone here. Um, the Oakland Raiders. I'm gonna go with them this week. It's a tough call because there's so many teams that really had statement weeks, but I'm gonna go with the Oakland Raiders. Nothing says a state nothing is more of a statement than going into Indianapolis and beating up Brazette and the Colts defense to get a win. Derek Carr had a good game. He's proven that without A.B. they can still succeed. They're 2-2 two and two now. And the Raiders are on a roll. They're doing okay. They're doing alright. And I'm okay with that. The Raiders have ne- were not supposed to be a top-tier team. They were supposed to be a good team. They weren't supposed to be a top-tier. And they are a good team. Whether they had A.B. or not. Sure, it hurts that you don't have your main guy... In the safety position. Jonathan Abram. But it's alright. Because now you're getting back Nevin Lawson. This week. So that should be even better for the Raiders. But there is one thing. That I really like. About this Raiders team. And it's Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is emerging as that number one running back. Top guy in the AFC West. I'm not even kidding here. This kid is good. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Usually in rookie season you don't see top tier production. But again, Saquon Barkley like set a new standard last year, but we're not going to go into that. It was pretty obvious. Anyway, Josh Jacobs is performing well as the main guy down there, and he's holding it down too. So he's one of the top backs in the league. I think he's like in the top ten right now, or he's just outside the top ten in rushing yards. And he's and he scored a couple touchdowns, and he's done. He's done well overall, and that's what they needed. They needed a strong back. Now that Marshawn Lynch was gone, he retired. And I think they're doing well. Derek Carr's getting the time he needs. He's finding receivers. When everybody's healthy and when everybody's at the top of their game they're amazing. Darren Waller. Don't even forget Darren Waller. Darren Waller's been great for the, for the Oakland Raiders here. I think John Gruden after that little sore year he had last year I think it finally makes sense why, why, he got, why he did that. He won all the draft picks he can get so he can grab the best talent so he can rebuild the team within the second year. And he can start saying, oh look what I'm doing now. Look what I've got here. It's a beautiful strategy so he can keep his job and, and make his contract last. It's a good idea, and I like it. And the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders are going to compete this year. I don't think anybody does. But they're doing well enough to be considered in 8-8, eight 9-17 eight, possible winning record. That's what I'm saying. So, kudos to John Green and what they're doing down there in Oakland. and Let's get ready for Las Vegas next year. Woo! Now we enter the players. Um, Player loser this week. It's actually not a player. I'm going to go with Dan Quinn, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I think you know why. We came into this season thinking that the Falcons, especially myself, thinking the Falcons offense was going to be something beautiful and amazing. And on one part, I am right. Matt Ryan has done phenomenal. He's been a top three quarterback this year. I think he's second in league right now in passing yards. The air raid attack down there is beautiful. I like it with Calvin Ridley and Mohammed Sanu and Julio Jones all getting touches, balancing everything out. There's just one problem. Where is Devontae Freeman? Where is the run game? Oh my goodness. And on top of that, your defense was supposed to be better this year. And you're not. You're not that good anymore. Is it just me? Or did the entire Falcons franchise collapse altogether after that Super Bowl run? Where they got knocked out. It's like a curse. I think they're cursed. They have a good team. The defense, not so much. But their offense, that's a dream team. And you're going to let that go to waste? Because your defense can't keep up, and then other defenses are stopping your offense? Look, it's like I said the other day. Just like a lot of these teams have high passing yard quarterbacks, their run games are not as effective. Patrick Mahomes has the top passing offense in the league with the Chiefs. But they they don't have a good run game. Andy Dalton, quarterback, Cincinnati Bengals, high passing yards, always performing well. But he has no run game. Actually, the worst run game in the NFL. Kyler Murray is doing well in passing yards in Arizona. They have the worst run game. They have another they have they have a bad run game too. Another quarterback, Phillip Rivers. See, I'll make an exception here with the Chargers because they're like 13th in running game in the run game, but I'm not, still it's like me- mediocre, not top top. So that's what I'm gonna say there. That's another one. Top tier, you'll be better. Another um, quarterback. I um, can't say Matt Stafford because on Johnson's really taking a big step up this year. Um, what are the teams are there that don't have good run games but have high passing offense? Huh. Oh, I go with the Packers, but the offense really hasn't been there this season that much. Except for the last game against the Eagles. That's it. Otherwise, well, yeah. Anyway. You get my point. The Atlanta Falcons were expected to do well this season and even make the Super Bowl in some models. I had them winning the division this year. And now they're sitting at one and three. One and three. I'm sorry, I can't handle that. I can't accept that. One and three. One and three. Got to make the step up now. You got to get things going. You got to get the ball running now before it's too late. If you lose another game, I guarantee you, you are not making the playoffs this year. And it's going to hurt for me. And it's going to hurt your fans. And it's going to hurt the players' pride in the team and the confidence. Because I'm telling you now, with the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised if Mohamed Sanu left next year. With the way things going, I would not be surprised if Keanu Neal wants to leave after another injury setback. Or if he gets let go, which would be a big a big mistake, by the way. Oh, well, let's not forget. Oh, let's not forget the best part. A couple offensive linemen are probably going to get let go. And when that happens, where's the run game? Run game is going to get even worse because there's no protection. Nobody to break open gaps. Do you get what I'm saying here? It's a trend. If you don't do well, your players lose confidence. When they lose confidence, they want to leave. And when they want to leave, you have to be compensated. And sometimes if you can't get compensated for that player's talent, your whole roster is downgraded. That's my point. They need this. They need to get back to that top level. And they're not doing it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. If the Falcons don't even touch five wins this year, Dan Quinn must be fired. I'm saying it now. If the Atlanta Falcons do not get above five wins this season, you need to fire Dan Quinn and the entire coaching staff. You took Dirk Cutter back. To run that passing game. And now, you screwed it up. You screwed up the model. That's all I have to say. And as my winner for the players, this one, I'm sure you guys thought of it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Leonard Fournette. Now, the reason why I say Leonard Fournette, if nobody saw what happened last week, when Jacksonville all of a sudden had a surge and a comeback victory over the Broncos, I'll highlight it for you. Leonard Fournette ran for over 200 yards against the Broncos' defense. I'm not making this up. The man who couldn't even run through a brick, who couldn't even run through a pile of leaves against the Titans... Just went ahead and said, why not? I'm going to drop 200-something yards on him. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. But still, that's a good sign. Because now with that strong performance, he is now back in the top 10 of running backs in yardage this year. Third, by the way. Third place. That's a good thing. Now, if he can get consistent with that, that would be nice. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off Minshew. If you noticed, when Leonard Fournette started getting the ball rolling and started breaking out in the second half, Minshew got more comfortable. It saved him time, let him rest his arm a little bit as he before he threw. And when that happens, you guys are calm. The play works. The drives go farther. And everything goes smoothly. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why the Jaguars came back and won. Leonard Fournette took the pressure off Minshew, which took pressure off the team and made it easier to score. Gotta understand that. Leonard Fournette finally did something good. And I'm happy. He hasn't done anything good since the Jaguars had Blake Bortles and he made a playoff run back in, what was it, two years ago? When the Jaguars almost made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You remember that? We almost had a Jag- Jaguars-Vikings Super Bowl. And I was going to scream and say, how did this happen? Yeah. That time. Leonard Fournette needs to stay consistent and show me that that's what he's going to do week in, week out. If he can do that, I'm going to completely buy in and say, all right, let this guy stay. Don't trade him. Don't do anything with him. You need to keep him. Otherwise, as of right now, strong performance. I'm behind you at the moment. Keep it up. And I want to see more from you. I'm very impressed. That simple. Keep it up. So, with that, it now concludes my podcast. So, thank you all for listening here to the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Make sure to follow us and comment and like on our posts on Twitter and Instagram at tstatsman and at v.signline.statsman. Remember to also comment on the debate post. I can't express it enough. Comment. Best comment will be featured on next week's episode. Until then, we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.